So is somebody going to go to bed with somebody or what? Honey, you are a regular nuclear meltdown. You better cool off. <laughs> well, where are you going? After 12 years in the minor leagues, I don't try out. Besides, uh, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. Good night. That was Kevin Costner in Bull Durham. Kevin, I agree with most of what you said. Without a doubt, Mr. Costner is one of the most successful actors, one of the most successful directors, and one of the most successful producers of the past 35 years. This is the Actors Room. My name's Jeff Tarowski, and this week, Kevin Costner will be the point of focus. A very talented man. A very driven artist. He had no connections whatsoever in the business. And he started acting when he was in college, as opposed to most actors or actresses that start way before then. Small theaters, high school Not Kevin Costner. He didn't see it until his last year of college. He has said he saw an audition for the play Rumpelstiltskin. Found that interesting. He remembered the fairy tale way back in the day. And remembers a movie called How the West Was Won when he saw it when he was seven. And how it changed his life. And how movies and theater always intrigued him. So when he finally saw an audition he may want to try out for, he decided to check it out. And check it out he did. He walked in the room where the auditions were taking place and he saw a whole new world. These people, these weird, interesting people, they almost had their own language, their own way of talking It was different from everybody else. And he wanted to be a part of that world. He was so interested that even though he didn't get a role in that play, he found a way to get into the theater. He was pushing brooms around. He was throwing out garbage. But he says it was theater garbage. So it was fine. He had to be around the theater around actors, directors, and writers. He wanted to be part of the world, and that is the world of art. Kevin Costner is an artist. He may not be the greatest actor you've ever seen. He may not be the greatest director you've ever watched. But you got to give respect to the films that he put a mark on. His mark There's one thing you got to remember about Kevin Costner. He does it his way. 
nothing, and I mean nothing, stood in the way of Kevin Costner and his goals. And that was to stay in the world of art, and more specifically, film. Let's talk a little bit about his childhood, just a bit. His dad was an electrician. They moved around a lot. And because they moved around a lot, 12 schools that Kevin went to in total in his childhood, 12, that's a lot. He says that his confidence was ripped because he always had to make new friends. That's got to be tough for any kid. Kevin Costner went through that. He said he would do anything to find that special friend. And that was hard to do. When Kevin entered high school, freshman year, he stood at a towering five foot two. That's right. A towering five foot two. One of the smallest kids in his class. He was so disheartened by this. He approached his mom and asked her straight up, Am I going to grow? And the mom said, yes, you are going to grow (laughs) eventually. It may take him more than a year or two, but it will happen. And it did. He reached six feet tall by the time he was a junior in high school. Not the most popular kid, but he loved sports. I mean, look at Kevin Costner. He's done a lot of athletic films, Bull Durham, you know, baseball films, golf films. He's very athletic, and he played varsity baseball his senior year. The high school he graduated from was called Villa Park High School. Looked him up in the yearbook.com, and guess what? He was there, and he was also standing with his varsity baseball team senior year. And before I move on to the early stages of his acting career, I want to mention this. I believe that Kevin Costner was very close to his parents and family. And they were always very supportive of what Kevin did. And he remembers his father taking him aside when Kevin started to be successful. And Kevin's dad told him, I wish I would have taken more chances in my life like you have. And he was proud of his son. Proud of his success. It's not easy to take the leap and bounds risks like a Kevin Costner did. There are many things that keep you away from your dreams. Whether it be a girl or a boy. uh, A job you can't let go of. Keeping a steady job. Being normal. And his dad respected Kevin for doing that. And Kevin felt... Wow, <laughs> I know my dad had all these dreams too. And I think that really hit home for me. I think a lot of people out there, when they were kids, had these fantastical dreams. We all did. And there are only few that pursued those childhood dreams they had. And Kevin's dad noted that, pointed that out to his son, and told him that he was proud of him. All right, back on to his early career, trying to be an actor, uh, trying to get in the door or get auditions, 
make impressions, and eventually landing roles. Kevin was so determined to keep acting that he formed a troupe. And he says there were about 30 of these people in his troupe. And each and every one of them would try out new things every day. For example, Kevin encouraged everyone in the troupe to write, direct, and act. Not just one or the other. And when somebody brought forth material, new material, that they worked on, they all had to participate in one way or another with that new project. Kevin kept it rolling. There was always something new to learn, not only about the art, but yourself. Artists like this are in tune with just being a part of something fresh. There's always got to be a rush, something to learn. Never keep it stale, keep it new. Let's put it this way. Kevin Costner, at a very young age, early 20s, made it a point to be an actor every day in some way, whether it was studying, reading, or auditioning. It is said that even back then, people around him noticed his work ethic. It was just more than the others. And these are the people that make it. The ones that go the extra mile. The ones that stay when everybody else leaves. The ones that don't sleep at night to learn something new about a play they're interested in. The ones that go above and beyond have a better chance, obviously, than the next guy. Kevin Costner was one of those guys. His dad wasn't in the business. His uncle wasn't a producer on a TV show. He didn't even know anybody, like a stagehand. He did it from the very ground, and he worked his way up. Kevin considers himself a worker bee. He says, I'm a laborer. I work my ass off. I make it happen. I love these people. I like to do that. I never sit around. I'm always doing something productive. And I think that Kevin Costner was like that too. Got to be productive. You got to hit the pillow at the end of the night and say to yourself, good day. I did this. I did that. I checked boxes. At one point, he became a stage manager. Didn't pay much, couple of bucks an hour, but he was actually being paid for doing art. That was it. As soon as he got a taste of actually making money doing something he loved, not liked, but adored, that was the best. When he felt ready enough to audition his ass off, because that's what he did, audition his ass off, he finally started getting roles. And I want to point out, one of the very first roles he ever got in a film was Night Shift with Henry Winkler, Shelley Long, and Michael Keaton. Night Shift is a great movie, directed by Ron Howard. Kevin Costner has a small role, doesn't speak. But you notice him, very young. God, he looks like he's about 24, 25, tops. 
and he's in the uh, morgue when they're having a party. And he's behind Michael Keaton when Michael Keaton has something uh, on his nose and it falls off. Kevin Costner is standing right next to him. Involved. So Night Shift. First appearance on film. Ron Howard film. Not bad. So he's getting a taste of the business. He's making his way in. Is he in yet? No way. Just having a bit part in a movie, you are definitely not in. Not yet. But Kevin... On his way. And he was very serious. This little part in Night Shift. He took very serious. Where other actors. Actresses. Don't. They're like. It was just a little part. That meant nothing. To Kevin. It meant everything. It was stepping stones. Like I said. He started from the ground up. So every little step he took. Towards his goals was important. Getting into the business and being somewhat successful requires you to make connections. Vital, vital, holy shit, vital. And Kevin was gonna have to do that. You gotta rub the elbows, you gotta kiss ass, make friends, even though you may not like the person, they may help you. In the future. It's a good idea. Not to piss anybody off. Not yet anyway. In the very beginning. Play nice. Kevin did. And he made connections. I did my research. I think. And pretty sure I found out. How Kevin Costner sort of got in the business. And I could be completely wrong. Completely. But I think I might have an in here. What was Kevin's connection? And I think his connection was Richard Crenna. You're thinking, Richard Crenna. I know that name. Why should I know that name? Richard Crenna was in Rambo. He played Rambo's, what, uh, superior officer, Troutman, and gave a great scene in that movie. Great scene. They're in the tent, and Troutman's telling the other officers how badass Rambo is. Well, that's Richard Crenna. And he's done a lot of other work, too. One of the projects he worked on was called Table for Five. In 1983. With Kevin Costner. Okay, great. Kevin's rubbing elbows. Richard Crenna in the movie. Great. So how does it connect Kevin with success? Well, Richard Crenna did a film called Body Heat. With William Hurt. A hot Kathleen Turner. So hot. Oh my God. Mickey Rourke. And Richard Crenna. Director, Larry Kasdan, did that movie. Larry will eventually do The Big Chill. Supposedly, Kevin Costner's big break. Larry Kasdan, Richard Crenna, Kevin Costner. Did Richard Crenna sort of mention Costner to Kasdan in passing? Or was Kevin just always sort of buzzing around? Richard Crenna. (laughs) What's going on? Have you heard anything? Could be. And Richard said, try out for this one. I hear my old friend, Larry Kasdan, is looking for people for the big chill. It's all about connections. Who you know. But there's a connection. And I think I found it. Kevin got lucky, sort of. 
but he had to work for it. Got in the room for the audition, the big chill, big movie. Well, big chill, big movie. Wow. Vocabulary for myself is phenomenal. But the big chill supposed to be the big break. But those of you who know the big chill, and a lot of you probably do. I love the movie. What a cast. And Larry Kasdan did a wonderful job. The only thing he didn't do so wonderful? Completely cutting off Kevin Costner from the film. All of Kevin Costner's scenes in The Big Chill because he got a part in The Big Chill were cut. He was to play Alex. He did play Alex. You see his wrist. (laughs) That's it. That's it. You see Costner's wrist as Alex because his character commits suicide. And that's all. There were scenes shot with Kevin Costner in The Big Chill. But we'll never see him. I looked that up, wondering if they're out there somewhere. Like, sometimes you can find stuff, deleted scenes, whatnot. They're out there. Directors, producers, put them out there. They're available. Well, Kevin Costner is Alex in the Big Chill, not available. Larry Kasdan says he's got him, and he ain't letting him go. What a son of a bitch. Why won't you let him go, Larry? We all want to see it. I want to see Kevin Costner as Alex in the Big Chill. Hell, I'm sure Kevin Costner would love to see that footage again. <laughs> I mean, what the what the f? Why did Larry completely cut him out? He, obviously, he felt that his scenes were bad. <laughs> I hate to say it, Kevin. I, it might have been bad. He's gonna say, and this is Larry, that. The scenes, the material, didn't contribute to the film, the final product. You didn't need them. And I say, what? (laughs) I can't, you you didn't need those scenes? They would have been obviously flashbacks. Because, right, he died. Um, So maybe in that way. Okay, that's the only way I could see it. Maybe at the end of the day, when they were editing, Larry said, no flashbacks. We're just not doing flashbacks. Ain't happening. Everything real time. So sorry, Kevin. You're going to be cut out of the picture completely. And from what I heard, Kevin Costner was not really that disheartened. He felt honored just to be a part of that production. Kevin Costner, at the beginning of his career, is a really cool fucking guy. And I'm not saying he's not. A cool fucking guy right now. But I think he played really nice back then. (laughs) In the beginning, Kevin Costner played really nice. Doesn't have anything bad to say about Kasdan. Giving him his first big break. Nah, he didn't get in the picture. But he was part of the process. And Larry Kasdan made a mental note. I'm going to keep Kevin in mind for future projects. Ding, 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 ding. Kevin plays nice. Check. Kevin is in a big production. Check. Kevin is in a successful production. Check. Kevin makes nice with everyone around him. He's in the door and is now being considered for future projects. Check. Larry Kasdan is no joke and would eventually do a movie called Silverado. A lot of 
actors in the big chill are in that movie. And guess what? He never forgot about Kevin. Kevin would play a role in Silverado. And that will start his career off, baby. He played a great character in Silverado. A very memorable character. A fun character. A character an actor would love to have. Because you get to play. You get to, and he loved westerns. Kevin, his favorite movie as a kid was When the West Was Won. It changed his life, he said. He couldn't wait to play a cowboy. He could ride a horse. He's athletic. He looked the part. But he was a bit disappointed in the character at first. Because he had something in his mind about playing a cowboy. And how a cowboy should be. Badass. Not silly. Kevin had to play silly. And that scared him too. Being a novice actor. Can I do this? Kevin, you did. And he did a memorable job in Silverado. His character of Jake is special. Very special. And Kevin felt he needed to improv. The director discouraged it. But Kevin used it as a tool. He did it offset. And it worked in his character. Simply put. All of his hard work from the very beginning of his journey was paying off. Meeting the right people, getting it to film, getting a decent role in Silverado, having a special kind of character, being successful in that role. Many directors, producers, and casting agents took notice of Kevin Costner. He was appealing. A lot of people in the business took notice. He was in line to star in a movie called The Untouchables, playing Elliot Ness, a big fucking role. And he nailed the audition. He nailed knowing the right people. The guy was on his way. And he was Elliot Ness. He's a controlled actor. You see it. He takes his time. And he does it right. Even Kevin said that he takes an extraordinary amount of time building a character. And even when he gets on set, it's still a step-by-step-by-step slow, steady progression. Marlon Brando, same thing. I'm not sort of comparing their acting style because Brando is much more talented, but Kevin Costner has something that Brando doesn't. Brando is more flighty. So Costner is just more steady. Workable. Although it may take time. (laughs) And it does. The results you see immediately after he does his research. Okay, let's talk about his research. His research primarily is contained within the script. Yes, he may do a little bit of research beforehand, studying a character, but most is done within the lines, within the words. He trusts the script. The director of The Untouchables, Brian De Palma, got a bit frustrated with Costner on set because he was just being fucking slow, taking his time. And at one point, De Palma asked him, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Because Costner was just standing there. Doing nothing. And Costner replied, 
I'm loading. I'm loading. Like a computer? Like a program? That sort of loading? Absolutely. I find that interesting. Let's talk about that. I'm loading, he said. Well, what's loading? The research? Okay. The character? Yes. And everything that goes along with that. I think Kevin is one of those artists that considers everything. And lets that play a part in how he's going to portray the role that day. He's a little method. He's a little this. He's a little Kevin. <laughs> he's, and he's a little bit of like what his dad would say. And he's a little bit of how he's feeling that day. Everything plays into how his character is going to feel. And it could change from here to there. So every moment is studied. All the research considered. He's calculating. No doubt about it. This guy, I'm sure, has filing cabinets in his brain. Of all the things he's done in the past. All the things he's doing right now. (laughs) And all the things he's going to do in 10 years. And they're all just playing around in his mind. Playing around in his soul. And just playing around, period. Kevin Costner is a very complex man. And he considers everything into his work. Marlon Brando turned down $5 million for two weeks of pay as Al Capone in The Untouchables turned it down. Oh, Brando. Don Johnson was offered the role of Ness but declined. Kevin and Don are good friends. And Don congratulated him on getting the role and never told him that he was up for it at that time. De Palma was also reluctant to cast Costner because... Well, he just wasn't big enough yet. And a lot of directors are very strange on that. They just want that assurance. That I'm getting this actor that's well-seasoned. I know what I'm going to get from this actor. Costner was a bit of an unknown in 1987 when this film came out. In the same year, there's a film called No Way Out, 1987. And I remember that one when I was a kid. It was on HBO a lot. And I never got to see the whole thing back then. It was out of my league when I was a kid. I rewatched it a couple of nights ago. Doing my research. I liked it. It's a good movie. Kevin Costner does some really nice work. And uh, so does his uh, counterpart, Gene Hackman, of course. Always spot on. And don't forget, Sean Young is in this movie. She's very beautiful. She's from... um, Cleveland Heights, I believe, near me, grew up in this area. And I felt her acting was excellent in No Way Out. Uh, She's in about 25% of it. And I think to myself, why wasn't Sean Young more successful? I think that she was difficult to work with. That's the rumor. And that's sad because she had a lot of talent. No Way Out, 1987, Kevin Costner does some great acting. And I want to note, at the very end of the movie, he gets hurt. He strikes another actor on the film. 
in the film. He didn't do it offset. He actually in the in the film. I'm talking about his acting. He strikes another character in the film, and it hurts his hand. And a few minutes later, in the scene, he walks out of the office bloody, and he asks for a favor, a pen. He needs to write something down. When he takes the pen and tries to write with it, he gives ah, like the hand still hurts. Little things like that. He doesn't forget about all the things around him, how he is feeling, because he's really not hurt for real. He's all acting. He's playing like he's hurt. But he hurt himself minutes before then. But it continues on. And later in the scene, still is playing the hurt. Although it doesn't hurt, he feels it. Ah, you know, like, what would you really do? Like, if you're going, you hurt your hand, and you're like, son of a, you know, you wrap it up, it's throbbing, it hurts, it's sore, you know? And then 10 minutes later, you're doing something, you pick up a, a wrench to continue the job, and you're like, ah. That's what Kevin Costner did in the movie, the, the little things like that. I love to see it. I love to see it. Little things like that. It, it makes me respect great actors. And although Kevin Costner, let's get into this now. Might as well get into this now. I believe Costner is a great actor, but not all the time. Can't always hit it out of the park. He's one of those actors, too, that is in and out of his character sometimes. In and out of his acting. Harvey Keitel is like that, too. You'll see them dip. That's just them, though. They're all still there, but it just seems that their personality comes through in the character too much. <laughs> and we see them too much. And that could be bad sometimes. Because they just might be that dull in real life in that way. And Costner does it in his roles. Sometimes it's just too deadpan. But that's Costner. I love his work. And in No Way Out, 1987, if you've never seen it, I think it's on HBO Max. I think. Check it out. A few more notes about Kevin Costner as an actor. <clears throat> he loves the details of the character. Finding little ins and outs. That drives him. He needs to know the secrets of the character. And I love this and I'll tell you why. Lawrence Olivier did the same thing. There's little bits of pieces of artists within Costner. The secret thing. Olivier would use that in his work. Where there was a secret only. Lawrence would know. Kevin does that too. The little secrets he'll never tell his co-stars. He'll never tell the director. Only Kevin Costner knows certain things. And you're not going to know about it. And you can see it in their work. That's what makes them interesting. That's secret. Costner also concentrates on character and narrative amongst everything else. The script has to be solid. If it's not, he won't even consider a project. He also performs most of his stunts on camera. He's so athletic, it just sort of happens that way. And he doesn't mind doing it, like a Tom Cruise. The next big one, 1988, Bull Durham. He loves baseball. This suited him just fine. Plus, he's good at it. He understands the game, and he's natural. 
He used his slow approach once again in this movie, and he struggled with learning his lines. Typically, Mr. Costner struggles learning lines. Gosh, I love hearing that. I don't know why it makes me feel so good because I really struggled learning my lines just because I wanted to get every word just right. And I felt that if I left any word out, I would be dissing the playwright or the writer in any way. And maybe Kevin felt the same way. And although his roles are getting bigger, I think that also played a role too. That he just had to learn more lines. <laughs> it's hard. If you don't have a photographic memory or you're just, you know, you're, I don't know, I want to put it like you got a better mind than someone else just picking things up. I mean, you could struggle um, memorizing stuff. And Kevin struggles too. It all just doesn't come naturally, learning your lines. It is also said by people that work with Costner, his standards are ridiculously high. He's hard on himself, and he's hard on those around him. Everyone must be like Kevin. <laughs> and this, if that's true, if that's true, no wonder eventually he's going to fight with others. Because if you don't see what he sees, then there's a problem. All right, Tim Robbins, of course, is in Bull Durham. Uh, the studio didn't want him. They wanted Anthony Michael Hall. That would have been interesting. Uh, the director was uh, Ron Shelton. And he also wrote the movie. And he liked Tim Robbins over Hall. And he won out. Uh, Tim Robbins, he grew on me. I wasn't a big fan of Tim Robbins. Um, I just think he's goofy. <laughs> um, but not anymore. I don't feel that way. I mean, he's a fine actor. Tim Robbins. This is a nice note. Kurt Russell helped Shelton with the script and was slated to play Crash, the role eventually going to Costner. The part, of course, went to Kevin instead of Russell. And Russell said he was so impressed by the final product that he actually wrote fan mail, fan letters to both Kevin and the director. Isn't that cute? Don't you love Kurt Russell? That's adorable. He didn't get the role, right? But he was so impressed, he wrote fan mail. And I think this is it. The main reason why Kevin got the role is because of his ability to play the game. And although Kurt Russell played baseball too, Kurt Russell was like in the minor leagues. I didn't know that. I looked that up. I went, wait, what? Kurt Russell played minor league baseball? So no wonder they wanted him in Bull Durham. But Kevin, a little bit better of an athlete at that time, uh, in 1988, it said that he was so good at practice and in front of the camera. As the cameras were rolling, filming, Kevin would actually hit home runs while the cameras rolled. Awesome. Then another baseball movie, Field of Dreams. And I highlight that film on my show. And I did that a few years ago. So if you want to know more about Field of Dreams, check out my previous show and learn more about it. But the one movie, of course, that one movie 
that pretty much defines you. And what I think defines Kevin Costner is Dances with Wolves, 1990. Seven Oscars. The biggest achievement in the movie is brilliant. I saw it for the first time two years ago. It was just one of those movies. Never saw it. I had no desire to see it. And I loved Costner and all the other films that I said. I would see him around. And I liked him. Dances with Wolves, when I was a teenager, in my 20s and 30s, passed. I felt kind of long. It's about like, I don't know, American Indians. I just wasn't really into Westerns. I wasn't. Westerns were not on the top of my list of movies to watch. I just didn't prefer it. But felt down the road, I'll give it a chance eventually. And I did. Two years ago, I put this in. It was in the middle of winter. Freezing outside. Remember it like it was yesterday. Kids are in bed. The wife went to bed early. Dog passed out in front of the fireplace. I had a blazing fire that night. I laid out some blankets on the floor. I'm not the guy that sits on the couch. I sit on the floor. I made it comfortable. I'm right in front of the fireplace. It's about 9 o'clock at night. And I know it's going to be a journey. It's fine. It's a long movie. I made sure I was not going to move for three hours. I was going to dedicate that evening to Dances with Wolves. And I was going to give it the utmost attention. I mean, seven Oscars. No joke. And I was ashamed of myself that I'd never watched it before. I sat there. I enjoyed it. Folks, you go into something and you're like, okay, seven Oscars. I better like it. And that's what I did. I went in thinking, I'm going to be disappointed. I know I am. Nope, not at all. I was more impressed with what I saw than what I thought I was going to see. This is a phenomenal film. And even Marlon Brando raved about it back in the day. How about that? Marlon Brando thought this is one of the greatest movies he ever saw. <laughs> I can't disagree with you, Marlon. This is a great, great... And the thing is, this movie, it's about friendship. It's about friendship. It's not about buffalo, bison, American Indians and cowboys shooting at each other, all that stuff. It's personal. It, it, it's done with feeling and emotion. You, you care. That's what I love about Dances with Wolves. You care. It's about friendship. And the best performance of Costner's career. There's a couple of other projects he does great work in. But this is his best. Probably by far. Feel the Dreams, great movie. But is it a Dances with Wolves? No. It's not. Not even close. Not even, not even in the same vicinity. Kevin says that this project was on his table for years. Finally, he felt it was time. And he wanted his good friend, Michael Blake, someone he met years before, to write the script. Blake hesitated. Down on himself. Not successful writing in all of his current work at the time. Kevin grabbed him. Physically took him out of the room. And said, fucking write the script. You can do it. Just fucking do it. And it was that, ah, that scare. 
Kevin was, you know, don't fuck around. Kevin wanted to do this project. And he was ready to do it. And he wanted his buddy along for the ride. And he knew he could do it. He's like, stop effing around. I like how sometimes I say fuck and sometimes I say F. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so stupid. Just say fuck. It's my show. I'm swearing. Just sometimes F sounds better. Okay. Of course, you got to note, Kevin Costner directed this film and the directors that he looked up to or still does. George Stevens did Giant with James Dean and a lot of epic films, long films. Kevin Costner loves long, epic films. Capra, another one that he liked. Scorsese and Coppola, all directors that love to do long films. I love this. Costner, as a director, promises his actors that he will stop at nothing, nothing at all, to help give them the best performance of their career. Not in the movie. No. We're going above that. I mean, that's just this project? No. Your career. I'm going to put you in the best position to do the best work you could possibly do. The memorable moment in Dances with Wolves with Costner spreading out his arms during the suicide run was improvised. And of note, the Union soldier who saves Kevin Costner's character by shooting another soldier in the forehead was played by Kevin's father, Bill. Bill Costner. Kevin recalls in an interview about asking his father to be in the movie, playing a role. He said, Dad, you want to be in the movie? You want to save me? And his dad said, yeah. <laughs> no, it would be better if the dad said, no. <laughs> Kevin, no. I don't want to be in your stupid little movie. Of course he said yes. His dad kind of looked up. He looked up to his son. <laughs> He did. I love that. Why not? Nothing wrong with that. Father looking up to his son. Hey. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure it was both ways. Kevin looked up to his dad at first. And then the dad looked up to Kevin later on. <laughs> Robin Hood, 1991. Fine film. Not one of my favorites. I've seen it twice. And I think that'll probably be about it. <laughs> Costner wanted to use uh, an English accent as Robin Hood. The director said, Kevin, no. And I'll tell you why. Your accent, not that good. Hey, he's honest. And uh, uh, the director, and his name was Kevin Reynolds, right? The director of Robin Hood said, Kevin, you can't really do accents very well. Let's just stay with your normal, natural accent. And, oh, God, we can thank uh, this film, Robin Hood, for giving us the Brian Adams song, Everything I Do, I Do It For You, and holy shit, we got to hear that song 500 trillion times in the summer and year 1991. Holy shit. I can't listen to that song now. I can, can you? Can you really? 
Everything I do, I do it for you. In 2012, Kastner sued the producers of this film (laughs) for unpaid profits. Kastner feeling he's being gypped by the studios. It is rumored that Kastner had some of Alan Rickman's scenes cut because he realized that Rickman was upstaging him. Ouch. Well, when, I, I try to look this up. <clears throat> um, was Costner hard to work with on Robin Hood? Yeah, he was. He was pissed at the producers. He was pissed at the director, not letting him do his accent right. <laughs> he needs pissed at poor little Alan Rickman, acting his ass off, just doing his job. Upstaging Costner and Costner's like, fuck this. If I could cut Rickman completely out of this movie, I would. I can't. I gotta leave some of his shit in. <laughs> oh, Costner. He doesn't want to be upstaged. Okay. I think he was all about keeping it pretty even. Okay. Uh more Kevin, <laughs> less everybody else, that's even. The dude, I just find it funny because I guess if he could do that, he did it. I guess he had a little more bragging rights on this film than Alan Rickman. (laughs) And Alan Rickman didn't want to do this movie. He didn't. I'm sure he didn't give a shit. What is he, cutting my rolls? Fine. Whatever. This comes to no surprise to me right here. Costner and the director, Kevin Reynolds clashed many times over creative differences just a joy doing robin hood no wonder i don't like that movie god everybody hated each other but not the next project jfk same year 1991 kevin costner is working he's just putting out hits kevin loved working with oliver stone thank god He says, Oliver listens. He actually considers your ideas, processes them, takes his time with your ideas, considers them, and then lets you know days later if they'll be in the project. Garrison, the attorney, district attorney that Kevin Costner plays, was much different from Costner. And that worried him. How will I get this guy? How will I be Garrison if I'm really nothing like him? So Kevin felt that the best course of action was to follow this guy around like a little puppy dog for weeks on end. And that's exactly what he did. Costner had loads and loads and loads of lines to memorize. Oh shit. You're doing an Oliver Stone film. Guess what? You got a shitload of lines. Michael Douglas had to deal with this in Wall Street. Michael Douglas looked at his script and went, holy balls of shit. Oliver, you want me to learn all these lines? There's like pages and pages and pages of lines. I can't. This is like a book. That's what Stone does. Shit. Michael Douglas, shut up. Costner had like... Books to memorize. 
books. Stone was very impressed with Costner and Donald Sutherland in learning their lines, their monologues. It was a lot of work, like I said, but both Costner and Sutherland did it flawlessly. And thank God they did. One of my favorites, I just watched it last night. I've seen JFK probably about 50 times. It's a movie. And it's Oliver Stone's interpretation of what happened in Dallas. And all the characters surrounding it. And you look at Costner's acting in the film. He does a lot of little gestures. Little nods. uh, Taking in moments. Acting with Sissy Spacek. His wife in the film. A lot of great moments with those two. Might, Might just be overlooked in JFK. Of the moments between... Uh, Garrison and his wife played by Spacek. Well done. And the little moments mean a lot to me. And Kevin Costner doesn't play around. He, he takes his time in his research. He takes his time learning the lines. And he takes his time within the character and the moments. He takes it in. He listens. He listens. And I think he exhibits a lot of traits of different actors I love. And one of the best listeners of all time acting-wise for me, was Robert Redford. I said was, is, because Mr. Robert Redford, he's still alive. Young, young, young. God bless you, Mr. Redford. One of the best listening actors ever. And Costner, right up there. There are true, real tears from Costner in his final monologue. It wasn't written that he got emotional. But Costner chokes up near the end. A pure moment. Natural. And it's the character. It's the lines. It's everything all at once that chokes the man up. The man. Kevin Costner. Oliver Stone stated that Costner was cast because of his performance in The Untouchables. Playing Elliot Ness. Elliot Ness was obsessed in his job. And Garrison also obsessed with his job. Actor James Woods was obsessed and desperate to get the role that went to Costner. But his idea of using Garrison was much different than Oliver Stone. James Woods wanted to concentrate on Garrison himself. And Oliver Stone felt differently and wanted the obsession, the idea of getting down to the brass tacks of the JFK assassination was more important than the Garrison character. Marlon Brando comes up again because he turned down the role that went to Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland's monologue and cameo appearance, beautifully done. I don't know if I could see Brando doing that long monologue at his age at that time. And uh, it would have been interesting to see though. For sure. Without a doubt. I mean, Brando could have done it. I <laughs> see. Brando could have done anything, really. Comedy. Eh. If there was one thing Brando struggled in, was straight up comedy, bedtime story. You know. But anything else, though, anything else Brando could do, and especially was it Mister X was his name in JFK? Uh, Brando could have done that for sure. And I really love that Costner breaks the fourth wall 
during his closing statement, if you notice, watch it. Costner breaks the fourth wall. And I wonder, was that the director's decision or was it Costner? <laughs> and, that, and especially in a movie like that, I think it was Costner. I don't think Oliver Stone would have said that. It's just not Stone. Next up, Bodyguard, 1992, underrated film. Whitney Houston's first movie. Costner was one of the producers and pushed for Whitney Houston. Uh, Whitney gave Kevin singing lessons in exchange for acting advice. Houston said Kevin taught her to focus on listening and communicating through her eyes. Communicating through your eyes. Flutter them. You know, use them. I mean, it's, it's a window into the soul. Acting is hard. Houston felt it in the beginning. How hard acting was. And how gentle and patient Costner was. Costner even stated in the past how terrible, horrible, and downright bad he was in the beginning of his career. In the early stages. He was just a bad actor. A bad artist. But he worked and worked and worked. It was like being a cardboard cutout of some other strange species. Something you just don't understand. Kevin based his character on Steve McQueen. Madonna was considered for the lead role. The one that Houston got. Costner was like, no way. And the reason why is because Madonna made a joke at Kevin's expense in the film Truth or Dare. Costner first saw this script while making Silverado. Thought that was an interesting note. And how long sometimes projects take to get on the table, at least, and then considered. The next movie I want to talk about was done in 1993. And I think one of his best, especially acting-wise, is called A Perfect World. Kevin does some of his best acting here because he's playing such a different character. An unlikable character. A character that's part evil. And I like seeing that. Kevin was spreading his wings. And he took this part extremely careful and serious. Clint Eastwood directed it, okay? And Clint, as you know, okay, he doesn't put up with bullshit, okay? Things need to get done. He's been in the business forever, and he knows what the fuck he's doing. At one point in the production, Kevin Costner got frustrated. Now, mind you, Costner is working with a child actor through most of this film. Not easy to do. A lot of actors will not work with kids. They just won't. It's difficult. Okay. Well, Costner took on the task of working with a child. And at times would get frustrated on set. One day, Kevin stormed off set. Pissed. Frustrated. Out. Well, Eastwood kept going. He started filming Costner's scenes with his stunt double. His stand-in. As they say. Well when Costner came back later that day. And saw that they were still shooting without him. 
He was a bit confused. <laughs> he was, whoa, 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 Clint, Clint, Clint. Um, <laughs> am I fired? <laughs> Eastwood simply said, if you walk off, I'll shoot close-ups with your double. You watch. You see. <laughs> this guy, this guy right here, your uh, double, will play you in the whole movie. Close-ups and all. I'm not here to jerk off, Kevin. End of quote. Wow. Right to the point. Don't fuck around. I'm Clint Eastwood. Done with that. Love it. I mean, that's the way Eastwood was, is. He's still alive. Mind you, Eastwood worked with Charlie Sheen also way back in the day and had to deal with a lot of bullshit from Sheen and put Sheen in his place as well. Wyatt Earp, 1994. I guess Tombstone, the movie Tombstone, was being filmed at the same time nearby. Can you believe that? Tombstone and Wyatt Earp in 1994. Shooting at the same time. Which film is better? Tombstone. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I love Tombstone though. I mean. Um, it's just. It, yeah, you know. Kurt Russell is Wyatt Earp. Okay. Which Wyatt Earp do I like better? That's tough. I, I like both. If I were to. I had a gun to my head. I'd probably take Costner. I, I, Costner is just more believable as White Earp. And I'm not saying it like Kurt Russell's White Earp. I thought it was really good. Really good. And then you start thinking, okay, Doc Holliday. You know, do you take Val Kilmer or Dennis Quaid? Val all day. I mean, I, I consider Val Kilmer's rendition and acting as Doc Holliday is one of the greatest performances of all time. Period. <laughs> so, sorry, Dennis. I like you, Dennis, but you're no Val Kilmer. It is said that Kevin was very honored to play Wyatt Earp and having the opportunity to do that. Plus, Kevin loved to do westerns, so he was in his element, riding the horses, and just uh, being in a western, simply. I want to go ahead and point out a few notes about this movie. Michael Madsen, who was in White Earp, okay, was offered the part of Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction. Turned it down because he was doing this movie, White Earp. Left the part open for another actor. Who got that? Oh, gee, I don't know. John Travolta? It resurrected Travolta's career. Madsen felt a little pissed about this. Not at the time. <laughs> but later on down the road, I'll tell you why. He was giving an interview. This is Michael Madsen about his work on Wyatt Earp. Listen to this quote given by Michael Madsen about working on Wyatt Earp with Kevin Costner. Quote, it's long, it's stupid, and it's boring. It's a giant close-up of Kevin Costner for three fucking hours. The only reason I did it is because I wanted to walk down the goddamn street to the OK Corral. If I knew that that movie was going to be that fucking boring and stupid, I would have taken a fucking taxi. End of quote. All right, then. Let's simply say, right? 
Michael Madsen sounds a bit jealous. He sounds jealous that John Travolta got his role, <laughs> did well, and he was in Wyatt Earp, and it didn't do quite as well. You got really got to take it out on Costner, huh, Madsen? I wouldn't piss off people in the business there, Mike. Okay, let's see. Where are you now, and where's Costner? Enough said. Waterworld, 1995. Folks, never seen it. I have no desire. My wife Amy said, Jeff, you've never seen Waterworld? I said, Amy, no, I haven't. I don't think I ever will. I heard it was bad. I think it's bad. I'm sure it's bad. So I just looked up notes on it. I guess Pride or Titanic. This was the most expensive movie ever produced. Kevin personally invested $22 million into the project. Costner gets involved in almost every aspect of his films. To a fault at times because he fights with everyone. But that happens when passion takes over. Am I right? It should be noted also that Kevin was going through a divorce at this time. So that added on to his frustration. <laughs> that would add on to anybody's frustration. Mm, tough. Um, he was on set. This is Kevin was on set for 157 days. Working six days a week during this film. Although this film was ridiculed. Costner's proud of it. Not everyone is going to like what you do, he says. He makes his choices for himself and not for the audience. And he tells future actors and directors, pray to the right God, the right artful God. Do it for you and not for others. And the last film I want to mention is 13 Days in 2000. One of my personal favorite performances by Kevin in one of the most interesting films I've ever seen. It's done well and I recommend it. It's because of the true story and how it almost happened. The Cuban Missile Crisis and how we nearly got into a nuclear war. I mean, those 13 days were just excruciatingly uh, stressful and so full of information. And in 13 days, it was done so well. Costner nailed it. His character, well done. But his accent, not so much. Everything was good except that Boston accent. He just didn't get it. And one of the most interesting notes on 13 days is that in 2001, just a year after the film came out, Kevin Costner screened this film for Fidel Castro and Havanaugh. And I say, unbelievable. Kevin Costner, one hell of a guy. I wanted to go ahead before I end this episode and give a few tidbits of Kevin Costner, just a bit of trivia. He turned down a role in Platoon because he thought it portrayed American soldiers in Vietnam negatively. And he did this because he felt it would be an insult to his brother, who was a Vietnam veteran. 
He spoke at the funeral of uh, Whitney Houston when she passed in February of 2012. Kevin was once a bus driver to the Stars Hollywood Homes. I did that tour. I wonder if Kevin, let's see, I did that tour in 1991, 92. No, he was already on his way. So now Kevin did not uh, show us the stars homes, but it looks like he probably did that stuff in the early eighties. I'd say that's pretty cool. Along with Warren Beatty, Clint Eastwood, Mel Gibson, and Robert Redford. He is one of six people to win an Academy award for best director, though they are mainly known as actors. Oh, and I forgot Richard Attenborough. Sorry, Rich. His role in Bull Durham was originally written for Kurt Russell. He turned down the leading role in War Games that went to Matthew Broderick because he wanted to play Alex in The Big Chill. His role was later deleted, of course, but it was the right decision for Costner. If he did War Games, he may not have gotten a chance to be in Silverado. So his career might have gone in a completely different direction. So I think the right call, even though he was cut from that movie, was the right decision for him at that time in his career. Costner got to play golf several times with former President Ronald Reagan in the early 1990s. So cool. So cool. I love golf and I'm nervous playing with my family can only imagine playing golf with a president. I wonder how we did. And last but not least, the Sioux Nation gave Costner attractive land after making dances with wolves. Costner built a golf course on that land. Wow. (laughs) The Native Americans say, Kevin, you're awesome. Dances with wolves, great movie. We're going to give you this land. What will you do with it, Kevin? Grow crops? Build a farm? No. We're going to build a golf course. That's what I do too. And a pool. Thank you for listening to the Actors Room. My name's Jeff Tarowski. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a year. I want to get out more shows. I just need the time. And thank you for spending your time with me in the actor's room. I hope all is well. Everybody's doing great. I'm doing fine. I love doing the show. And uh, I want to note before I go the passing of Paul Rubens. A strange guy, but very talented. Part of my childhood And he was 70, died of cancer, kept it a secret for a while. Nobody really knew, just the people that were close to Paul. But you got to give respect to somebody like Paul Rubens. His character of Pee Wee Herman was so weird, different, um, but very successful. That's hard to do. So props to Mr. Rubin. Strange guy. Uh, A bit creepy. Allegations against him, not good. Uh, Maybe something we'll get into at another time. I just don't have the time today. So, put in that movie tonight. I'm going to put in 13 days.
Okay, I'm done with Kevin Costner episode. I don't care. I still want to watch more Kevin Costner. So tonight, 13 Days is free on YouTube. This guy's watching it. You should too. You won't be disappointed in 13 days. If you love all that history stuff, I do. All the great history about politics. and I mean, we nearly were in a nuclear war not that long ago during the Kennedy administration. What a turbulent time that was. And uh, so cool that an actor, director, and producer like Kevin Costner can be involved in projects like that. I mean, the wonderful work that he has done, Kevin Costner, can't be denied and shouldn't. A great artist, a hard worker. He earned every cent that he made. Uh, He worked for it. He still does to this day. Yellowstone is a very popular show. I haven't seen it. I don't have, what, Paramount Plus? I don't have that. So I can't watch it. Um, But I intend to. I'm sure I will. Very successful uh, series, Yellowstone. The guy knows what he's doing. He's good at what he does. He may not be the greatest actor ever. He's not. But he gets the job done. He does it right. And I like him. You tell it he cares. And that's what I respect about these artists. Thank you once again. I hope you enjoy your night. Have a great day. God bless you. Have a good one.